nobody's going to be offended if I wear a hoodie up here today, right? No. No? Raise your hand if so. Ladies talking over there? Yes. Or are, are you going to be offended if I wear a hoodie up here? No. Uh, Rich said. <laughs> as, long, as long as I don't preach with my head covered like this, right? We're good? All right. <laughs> the alternative is I stand up here with goosebumps the whole time. All right. Um, we are going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 21. Please go ahead and turn there. I'll, I'll just warn you guys now, I am a Sunday school teacher. I am not a preacher. So if this seems a lot more like a uh, Sunday school class, that's because that's kind of how I treated it when I uh, approached it. <clears throat> Still the Bible. <sighs> okay, um, while you guys are there, I'm going to go ahead and turn over to Psalm 34. Uh, it's a relatively short chapter. It's only 22 verses. I'm going to read this to you. Um, and uh, when we get done with Psalm 34, uh, we're going to kind of talk. Obviously, everybody knows the vast majority of the Psalms were written by uh, King David. Uh, this one is no exception. This one was written by David as well. Um, it's at an interesting time in his life. And what we're going to discuss is kind of the, uh, the, the chapter itself, but where he is at in life uh, while he is writing this, because it's actually pretty fascinating. Um, so Psalm 34, you do not have to turn there. I'll read it to you. Uh, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glorify in the Lord. Let the affliction hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look at him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, and blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. So that's Psalm 34. Um, now, uh, coming back over to... Uh, to where you guys are, First Samuel uh, 21. Um, one of the things I kind of want to talk about first, um, it's interesting to note first, this is kind of just a side tidbit just for fun. It's kind of something I do in, uh, in uh, uh, Sunday school. I like to find these interesting little things. Um, this particular psalm uh, was written with every single verse starting with a different letter of the Hebraic uh, alphabet. Uh, the point to that was that it would be a lot easier to memorize. So um, that's something to bear in mind as we go through this morning. Uh, this was written by David with the purpose in mind of this being memorized uh, by the people. Uh, <clears throat> uh, so right away we know this is something David wrote for people uh, to keep in their minds, to use in their walk with God. 
Um, David himself had just gone through a very troubling time, and that's what we're going to look at. Um, but for right now, it's important to know that uh, David, even though what we're going to see is he acted like a fool in front of a king, um, he is not so foolish as to forget the Lord in all of this. Uh, <clears throat> David is very, very likely hiding in a cave when he, when he writes this. Uh, but in his heart, as you can read here, he's clearly hiding within the Lord in his mind. Um, <clears throat> so, all right, so 1 Samuel 21. Um, quick backstory, so you guys don't have to uh, go through it all. I was going to read it, but we definitely don't have time. Um, David, we, as we all know, David is on Saul's list at this point. Um, Saul has decided he hates David. Uh, David has the people singing about him. He's, he's essentially a rock star in, uh, in Jerusalem right now. Um, and the king has invited David to a feast. Okay, Now David, realizing that this is a, a trick, Decides not to go, uh, but he has a conversation with Jonathan first. And, and Jonathan, of course, uh, Saul's son, um, speaks with him. He doesn't believe David that his dad is after him. Um, so David comes up with a plan, and basically what they do is he doesn't go to the first and second day of the feast. Um, and Saul, uh, basically Jonathan's uh, job is to just listen to Saul. Uh, when Saul asks Jonathan, hey, where is your friend? Uh, Jonathan tells him, oh, I let him go to uh, Bethlehem. Uh, I allowed him to, you know, go see some of his friends for a family thing. Um, Saul loses his mind and, and basically lashes out at Jonathan, even throwing a spear at him. Uh, and at that point, Jonathan realizes, wow, yeah, dad's really going after David here. Um, and David and Jonathan had set up a neat little system where uh, to in order to let David know, hey, you need to run or hey, it's OK to come in. Uh, they went out to a field and Jonathan shot an arrow. Uh, if he told the uh, servant, hey, the arrow is beyond you, uh, that was David's cue to run and, and not stop. Uh, if he said, hey, the arrow is beside you, that was the cue that, hey, it's okay, uh, you can come out of hiding. Um, of course, he tells David, keep going, uh, you know, keep running. Uh, and actually, instead of doing that, David stays there, and then they have a whole conversation. Um, but at that point, this is where it begins to get interesting. David takes off, um, and he finds a priest in the town of Nob. Uh, the priest's name is Ahimelech. Uh, and essentially what he tells Ahimelech is, I was sent here on kingly business, which is in fact a lie. That's not true at all. Um, Ahimelech believes him and allows him not only to take the consecrated bread, uh, which we are not going to talk about. That's a very interesting lesson in and of itself, and I did not want to get sidelined with that. Uh, but he takes the consecrated bread, um, and he also takes a weapon with him. Uh, the weapon is the sword of Goliath, which, as you can imagine, was monstrous, you know. Um, it, it is absolutely huge. It, it stands out if you're wearing that kind of thing and you're a tiny guy. Uh, it's going to look a little ridiculous on you. Uh, but this is what he arms himself up with. Uh, he goes to, uh, to um, Gath, which is exactly where Goliath comes from. So now he's walking into Gath, okay, walking into this town, and he is holding the sword of Goliath, okay? Now, the, the uh, belief is that everybody in Gath knows who he is, okay? For the, for the, it's very likely that this is true. Um, David is going to learn there is a price for fame. Uh, in, in his hometown right now, people are singing about him. You know, David has killed his thousands, and, or uh, I'm sorry, Saul's killed his thousands. David has killed his tens of thousands. Um, people know about him. People know exactly who David is. Um, and here he is walking into Gath with a giant sword on his back. I mean, it's, it's big enough that he, he gets picked out immediately. Um, and he's going before the king. So if this seems a little crazy, it is. Um, what David is doing here doesn't make sense. The very fact that he lied to Ahimelech, the priest, in the first place, kind of shows that he's doing this on his own 
uh, volition. This is, you know, this is his own decision uh, to go to the land of Gath here where you know, there are nothing but enemies all around him. Um, and again, people know who he is. I mean, this is a little kid, essentially, who killed a, a military you know, giant. This is a guy who he's, he's very likely one of the biggest giants in Gath. Uh, they do believe there were more giants in Gath, actually, that, that Goliath was not the only one. Uh, but he is the most celebrated. He is the war hero, essentially. Um, and here's a little kid with a sling and a stone, essentially a toy to them, um, who killed him. So again, here he is walking in there. It's not a, the town doesn't love him to begin with. Um, he's famous. People do know who he is. Um, <clears throat> and that's kind of where we're going to pick up here. Uh, 1 Samuel 21. Uh, I'm going to start here in verse 10. <clears throat> I'm sorry. It's not in Psalms anymore. There we go. Uh, that day... David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. <clears throat> so yes, again, here we're seeing it. David goes to Gath, home of the champion. It, it, it makes no sense whatsoever for him to be here. And yet here he is. Um, again, David, relatively good-looking guy. He is a rock star in Jerusalem. They're singing songs about him. Uh, we know that he has ruddy good looks, that, that he is a good-looking guy. Uh, maybe not on Saul's level, because Saul is described specifically as being very good-looking and head and shoulders above the other men. Uh, but he is very popular. The ladies do love him. Um, <clears throat> and so all of this, and he, he goes to Gath. Um, verse 12, David took these words to heart. And was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. So he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. Um, <clears throat> so here's the cool thing at first. Um, and, and we're going to kind of take a step back here a little bit. Uh, back in verse 11, the servants of Achish, listen to specifically what they said. Isn't this David the king of the land? How did they nail that one down? David himself is struggling right now, right? I mean, he's lied to get where he is. He's made foolish decisions. This guy is, you know, it's fair to say that he's a little confused about his destiny within the Lord. And yet he goes to Gath, a place completely full of Gentiles, a place that, you know, all these people hate him. And they say he's the king of the land. It's amazing to me that these guys kind of have it down what who and what David is uh, when David himself is struggling with this. Um, <clears throat> Second, it's interesting to note here, you know, these guys, they've heard um, the songs that the Jews are singing about David, you know. Um, this is a song that when they're asking this, David knows this song. He knows this very well. This is like his number one single, you know, the very first one. Um, this is the one that, you know, when, when he goes back into uh, uh, Jerusalem after having killed Goliath, this is what they're singing in the streets. I mean, that, that's pretty awesome. I don't think very many, even these days with celebrities, they don't get those kind of songs. Um, <clears throat> But, you know, David, of course, David, you know, he completely attributed his victory to God. Um, but not all the people who knew what happened did that. Not all the people attributed his victory to God. Um, <clears throat> so, again, you know, the, he's very popular. They know who he is. Um, David's discovering there's a price for his fame. Um, <clears throat> there is also evidence, and uh, we're not going to get too deep into that, but there is evidence, despite the fact that it doesn't specifically say it in the text, that uh, when he goes to Gath and they realize who he is, he's seized on the spot. Um, basically, temporarily held, not necessarily thrown in jail. Uh, but if you look at Psalms 56, which go ahead and turn there, um, you see the title actually indicates that, in fact, he was captured. Psalm 56. 
is the only one that I didn't have already set to go. My fingers are almost numb. I can't turn the page. Okay. Psalm 56, 1 through 7. Be merciful to me, O God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God I trust and am not afraid. Who or what, I'm sorry, can mere mortals do to me? All day long they twist my words. All their schemes are my ruin. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, hoping to take my life. Because of their wickedness, do not let them escape. In your anger, God, bring the nations down. Um, <clears throat> the title of that, I didn't, I didn't make, uh, uh, mention that. Uh, for the director of music to the tune of a dove on distant oaks of David when the Philistines had seized him in Gath. That is specifically the title of that psalm. Uh, and so that is why we kind of uh, believe that it's highly likely here that um, he has been caught to a degree, at, at the very least temporarily detained, um, if nothing else. David here at this point, it's obvious, if you, if, if you listened in on, on uh, uh, psalms there, he is fearful. He is definitely fearful. Um, but not so much that he loses his head. Okay, He has enemies on all sides of him. Um, he is being pursued by Saul, of course, Saul's armies and everything like that. And now he's in Gath, where everybody hates him and wants him dead. Um, that is surrounded by enemies. You know, there, there's no better way to describe it there. So um, uh, that, that's, you know, being in a rock and a hard place. That's exactly, uh, exactly the saying there. Uh, but again, in all of that, David doesn't lose sight of God. And that's kind of the important thing. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Um, he still reaches out to God. He still finds comfort in knowing that God is there. Uh, in fact, in three different times, specifically back in Psalm 32, um, David mentions, I will praise his word. And then two times he says, in God I trust and am not afraid. Um, that's a tiny little chapter to have this reference as many times as it is. Um, David knows that whenever he trusts himself, he distances himself from God. That, that, that he, uh, much he is, uh, he is 100% sure of. Um, and this is one of the very reasons that God considers David a man after his own heart. Because when he realizes this, he basically uses God's love as a map and boom, he can figure out right again where he needs to be in life. He finds himself in these situations little, you know, pretty often. And let's be honest, we all do to some degree. We all find ourselves in situations we know immediately we're not supposed to be there. Um, but David immediately turns around and, and he writes things like the Psalms where, you know, you could see in his heart that he does love the Lord. He does want obedience to the Lord. He does want to uh, uh, do as, you know, as he knows he's been commanded to do. Um, <clears throat> and again, this is why God calls David a man after his own, art, uh, after his own heart. Um, it always comes back to God's love in, in David's eyes. Um, verse 13 uh, so he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. Um, this may not sound like a whole lot, but this is actually a really, really big deal back in, you know, this time. Um, you know, beards were a, a source of pride for, for men back then. Um, it was a really, really big deal to have a good full beard, a nice long one, um, and Basically, everybody had one. It was, it was basically a bunch of Andes walking around. Um, everybody very, very proud of their beard. Um, so for him to basically act like a madman and let the saliva run down his beard is a very big deal because it's basically, um, it, it's, it's degrading. To any other guy who would allow that to happen to him, it is degrading. So uh, for him to allow it to happen to himself, this is, this is humiliation for him. 
Uh, the very definition of the word. This is humiliation for him to let the saliva run down his beard the way that it is. Uh, <clears throat> so, not exactly the most clever looking plan on the surface. Um, and this is one of the uh, uh, contestants we get with this whole uh, chapter here is, um, is he doing this out of the flesh or is he doing this um, out of a commandment from the Lord? Um, as we go in, I'm going to kind of uh, make my, what I believe it is here. Um, but, you know, we won't get too deep into it now. Obviously, you know, God has a lot to do with this in one way or another. Was this his idea or was it God's? I believe it was God's. But it's very easy to look on the surface and say, he's just pretending to be like, a, like an idiot, basically. Um, you know, he's making marks on the doors, letting, you know, basically drooling all over the place. You know, it sounds like a terrible plan, honestly. Um, <clears throat> but I do believe that this is, again, this is, this is God's ordainment. Um, <clears throat> If you go back and you read what was going on in Psalm 56, again, like, like we were talking about earlier, there is definitely, he's calling out to the Lord. And this is, again, while he's captured in Gath. Um, he hasn't forgotten the Lord. So my belief in, in this particular case is that God did ordain, hey, you know, this is how you're going to get out of it. You wanted to act crazy to get where you are. You're going to act crazy to get out of where you are at this point. Um, <clears throat> so God, it, I mean, there's no doubt in our minds, God guided David on the plane in one sense or another. Um, I think it was more or less to humble him here, um, you know, and, and ultimately, you know, as David says in, in Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God is guiding his life. One way or another, God is guiding his life. That one is 100% sure. Um, again, it, there is a small question, though, whether or not this is God's plan or not. It, it just, it, it's from a perspective of why would he have to humiliate himself that way? Um, 1 Samuel 22, verses 1 and 2. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm skipping over. Uh, 14, I'm sorry, back to 21. 14 and 15, Achish said to his servants, Look at this man, he is insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this come into my house? Um, so Achish here at this point, you know, this guy's he's insane. You know, I don't know what we have to do with him. You know, I don't know why we need him in our place. Whether or not he believes that this is actually David, uh, you know, the king David, the, the, you know, the king of the land David, um, it doesn't say whether he believes it one way or the other, but I don't think he cares at this point. I think his point of view is, well, if he's a madman like this, I don't need him. I got I'm no shortage of madmen in my, my, uh, my city here. If it is David, he's lost his mind. He's not a threat anymore. You know, he's not something I need to worry about. Um, anybody who drool in his beard the way he does, there's, I, I don't need to worry about this. So he's very dismissive at this point. Obviously, you know, God guiding him there because if the king was holding any kind of grudge whatsoever, um, you know, you can imagine that he would take it out, even on a madman. You know, when, when, uh, when you rule in the way that Achish did, um, you don't really care much about that kind of stuff. But God obviously very clearly guiding all of this. Uh, verse 20, I'm sorry, verse 1 in chapter 22, David left Gath and escaped to the cave Adullam. When his brothers and father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. So God allows David to escape and soon David is found, as he so often is, in a cave. Um, First, his brothers and the others from his house are all, they come, they hear him, you know, they, they visit him. Um, and then as the, the, the news of David's uh, location spreads, other people begin to come. Now, 
if you're David, these are not the kind of guys that you want coming to you, okay? These are guys that are in debt. These are guys that are just discontented with the government in general. Um, they're not the winners of society, okay? That's probably a better way to put it. They're not really the guys that you want. You're, you're not getting the captain's guard coming out. Um, these aren't all soldiers or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, and the other thing, actually, worth mentioning as well, they're not necessarily supporters of David either. They're there. That's what we know for sure. We, it's likely that most of them love David and, and are seeking him out, but it's not 100% that that's why that they're all there. Um, we know that they're in distress, you know, and, and maybe they had no money. Maybe they were on the run from the law. There was various reasons why you could be in distress. Um, they were in debt. Okay, so essentially people that borrowed so much, they can't see their way out of it. Um, and people are discontented. Like I say, you know, unhappy with Saul's reign, unhappy with just the government um, in general. Okay, but again, not the winners of society here. Uh, <clears throat> this is also, interestingly enough, this is the dime that Abiathar uh, joins David. Uh, <clears throat> so, okay, so we have a, a relatively solid backstory. It makes sense, everything that I've described there. Um, so now we're going to get into the meat of it, which is Psalm 34. Please turn there if you don't already have your fingers there. Um, we have a backstory. We know exactly where David is. He's in the cave. We know how he got there. Um, so, while this is a relatively low point in his life, I think this is something we can all agree on. David is at a terrible, terrible point in his life. I mean, he's not surrounded by the best guys in the world. Um, multiple things going on here. So, let's listen to what David has to say. Again, we're going to kind of read through it. Verses 1 through 3. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. That doesn't sound like a guy who's uh, stuck in a cave with a bunch of people around him he doesn't necessarily want. Um, just having run from a uh, king, humiliated himself in front of that king. This doesn't seem like a place that you would be singing these kind of praises. Uh, I stole the Lord, you know, all of these kind of things. Glorify the Lord with me. Um, it, is an awesome, it is an awesome thing to read where David's heart is despite where his situation was. Um, David says he will praise continually with his mouth. Uh, this is because praise starts while it's in our hearts and it manifests at our mouth. In fact, this is kind of neat, and, and um, I really like this, and I, I wanted to share it with you guys. Um, God loves it when we sing out loud. We know that. Um, it's relatively, it's pretty much a command. Listen to this. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of God dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. So, let the word of God dwell in you richly. I think we can all agree that's a relatively easy one to, to, to grasp. I mean, the, entire, the entirety of Scripture tells us that the word of God needs to dwell in us. But what does Paul tell us how to do that? Teaching and admonishing and singing songs. That's awesome. I absolutely love that. So, I mean, you know, it, it, just for the record, if anybody has ever, you know, hey, I, the teachers are, that, you know, Garden Lake has, we have some awesome uh, um, Sunday school teachers. We have some awesome uh, children's teachers. Um, what they are doing is an amazing thing. It needs to be done in the Lord. And it's one of the ways that we keep the, the word of God in our hearts. But everybody in here on Sunday morning singing is doing exactly the same thing. That's the number two part of, of how to do that. Um, I absolutely love that. So that kind of puts a little bit different perspective on what we're doing when we sing here in the morning. We're not just warming ourselves up. You know, this isn't just a warm up for, for 11 o'clock or anything like this. This is true praise and worship. This is how we keep the word of God in our hearts is by singing these songs uh, that have the scriptures in them, you know, to, uh, in the first place. So um, I, I love that fact right there. You know, the teachers are great and all that, but sing, guys, uh, because we're commanded to. Um, <clears throat> moving down, verse 4 in Psalm 34. I sought the Lord, 
And he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look at him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Um, I think uh, uh, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. It might be uh, uh, one of the bigger parts of that little passage there. Um, I love the fact that those words were written thousands of years ago, but they still pertain to us today. Um, he saw, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. You know, I think a lot of us often find ourselves in situations where, you know, we don't know how to get out. You know, we, we know that we're not where we're supposed to be, uh, but we don't see an easy way out of it. Um, but what David is telling us here is seek the Lord. That's the, that's the answer. Uh, seek the Lord. He's going to lead you out of that. It may not be in the way that you think. It may not be in the way you expect. Um, but he's always working towards the good of those who love him. So there's no doubt that he's doing the right thing here, that, that God is doing what's, what's right. All we need to do is trust and obey. Um, <clears throat> uh, like I say, uh, as we continue here, a lot of scholars are divided whether or not David was trying to work out uh, what happened in Gath out of his own understanding uh, or whether it was the Lord's here. Um, but I think the very fact is we're reading through here what he's saying here. There's no doubt that he placed his trust in the Lord. The Lord is who, uh, the one that worked out um, that escape. And again, you know, it, it caused him a little bit of humiliation. So be it. You know, it's maybe something that he really needed. Um, <clears throat> moving on. I am skipping a few things here. I am very cognizant of the temperature in here. Uh, verse 8. Taste and see what the Lord is, that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Um, Pastor Ron actually tested, uh, texted me that this morning, which brought a big smile on my face. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I really, really like that passage right there, and it's probably my favorite of, the, of this whole thing here. You know, basically what David is saying is, you know, all my experiences, all you guys have seen, you know, it's great, but taste it for yourself. You know, the relationship with God is a personal experience. It's one that you have yourself when you taste things, when you see things. You know, these are things that how you interact with the outside world, but they're personal for you. You know, things that you see that goes into your head and you, you mull over it. You know, um, when you taste things, that only you can taste that kind of thing. So uh, essentially what David is saying here is, you know, don't, you know, listen to my songs, listen to my experiences. But what is important is for you to have that personal relationship with God. Um, uh, Charles Spurgeon said there are some things, especially in the depths of the religious life, which can only be understood by being experienced. And even when uh, I'm sorry, and even then uh, are capable of being adequately embodied in words. Basically, uh, he's saying that even sometimes, you know, you can t see it, you can taste it for yourself. Um, even then, sometimes you can't really describe it to someone else. Um, he says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The enjoyment must come before the illumination or rather the enjoyment is the illumination. Uh, Spurgeon, man, guy's got some insight. Um, the enjoyment comes before illumination. Even enjoyment can be during illumination. Um, basically, he's hitting the head, uh, the nail on the head here in terms of what David's trying to uh, describe to us. Learning about God through faithfulness and obedience to the word, you know, that's the way to do it. That's, it's an awesome, awesome thing. Even if at first it can be a little bit scary, um, which, you know, I'm sure David can attest to. Um, he illustrates this really nicely uh, down here in verse nine. Fear the Lord, you holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Um, <clears throat> we can feel weak and hungry. We are the lions here, by the way. We can feel weak and hungry. We can feel like everything is crashing around us. 
But even then, we need to remember, we need to know that God holds nothing back that's good from us. Um, you know, even when the fridge is empty, we need to remember that the truly good things, the truly important things are never, ever held back from us. Uh, verse 11. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil, keep your lips from telling lies, turn from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. This sounds a lot like he's literally talking to those 400 guys right there. This is, this is what he's telling them uh, you know, they, they need to do. Um, <clears throat> the fear of the Lord isn't just a feeling, okay? It's an action. Uh, fear of the Lord, it should inspire obedience. You know, you're, you're basically doing what's right because you know that God is greater than you. You know um, that his mind is higher than ours. Um, and so we are obedient for that reason. Um, keep your lips from telling lies. I love the instructions that he gives here. Keep the lips from telling lies. That's an easy one. Everybody here in the, this entire room knows when they're not being 100% truthful. That's a, that's a very easy one. Your conscience should, should tick off just like that. Uh, you should know when you're telling lies. And what David said is keep what you're saying truthful. Uh, depart from evil and do good. You know, Essentially, take control of the situations in your life that you know are not God-honoring. Lay them at his feet and walk away. That's, that's again, relatively easy. Um, I, I know, you know, I'm saying it's relatively easy. I know being in the situation, it, it can be a little more difficult sometimes. Sometimes just laying things, things at God's feet uh, and, t- and stepping back is a little more difficult, especially when you're not comfortable with it or not used to doing it. Uh, but the more you do it, the more obedience you are to God, the easier it gets over time. Seek peace and pursue it. Um, wow, that's a guy who's being hunted, remember, who's saying, seek peace and pursue it. You know, he's got Saul and his armies after him. Uh, the king of Gath, uh, you know, I'm sure if he ever heard that, uh, hey, actually that guy was okay, um, he wasn't happy about it. Um, and yet all, in all of this, seek peace and pursue it. Uh, <clears throat> he's telling his guys that, you know, even during times like these, even during difficult times where we don't know what's going to happen, you know, we're scared, you know, the, 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 uh, you know, the enemies are, are against us, you know, still seek peace and pursue it. Um, you may have one person in your life or even a whole group of people who hate you, want to see you fail, or, or worse than that. But David is saying here, there's no reason to take up arms against those people. Again, obedience in the Lord. The Lord will work all of this out. Um, verse 15, and actually to 22, let's finish it off. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. David tells us here, specifically verse 19, that many are the afflictions of the righteous. You know, David is speaking from his own experiences here, and he's a young guy, but he can already see that if you're righteous, if you live your life in obedience to, uh, to Christ, the world will oppose you. Um, and, and that's what he's seeing. You know, uh, the, the saying goes that nice guys finish last. Uh, you know, essentially, uh, if you're doing all the right things, then you're not going to get the benefits of the guys who are doing the wrong things. Um, and, and a really good example of that, for me at least, is driving. I don't know if you guys get to drive in the cities often. Uh, but if you drive defensively in the city, you're not going to get there as fast as all the guys around you because um, you will get cut off. You will get you know, uh, sped in front of. There's all kinds of horrible things 
uh, that people will do. Jen and I just saw it the other day. We took the kids over to Philadelphia, um, and we, had, we, we were on the street seeing people do insane things and being aggressive. Um, and essentially, you know, this is, you know, this is why nice guys don't get ahead in the world. Um, and that's what David is saying here is, yeah, that, that's true. That's the world. That is how the world is. But that should not deter us from doing the right thing. Um, <clears throat> the good news is that David tells us the Lord delivers the righteous man out of all of them. Again, not necessarily in the way that you expect. Uh, but God is always working for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Uh, and the deliverance is always, always there. Um, David was in a bad place when he wrote Psalm 34. Uh, but instead of wallowing in the situation, he lifted up his eyes to the Lord and he saw deliverance. David knew that God loved him. Uh, and even though he messed up, he still knew that he could go to the Father and he could ask for forgiveness. So this is one of the reasons we love Psalms. David, for writing them, um, is just it is one of the reasons that God calls him a man after his own heart. Um, David, throughout the whole Psalms, teaches us that there is always hope. No matter what, God never, ever turns his back on us. Um, I'm going to end with a quote from Spurgeon, um, and we'll, we'll uh, break downstairs. The triumph and joy of this psalm is so clear. It is easy to forget the life context of the psalm. It is for people who find themselves at the absolute low point in life, which is where David was, or find themselves between a rock, which in this case it was King Saul, and a hard place, which was King Achish. <clears throat> it is for you when everything seems against you. And that's where we're going to stop today, guys. Let me pray us out and we'll, uh, we'll head downstairs. Or I'm sorry, we'll do one more song. Um, Lord, again, we come before you and we thank you for the time that you've given us for us uh, here, Lord, just to, to look to you, to look to your word, um, to realize how important you are to us, Lord, to realize how much you love us and that you never, ever leave us, Lord, that you're always there and there is always, always hope. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for everything you've given us. And just as we get into uh, the next hour, Lord, the ladies with their tea, I just pray that there can be fellowship in you, Lord, um, that we can all just uh, uh, have a good time with each other, but, you know, obviously never forgetting you in the midst of all of it, Lord. We thank you and we praise you. It's for everything you do for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please rise as we close.